This morning, uh, we're going to, this is going to be my last message in the book of Titus for this year. And maybe after you hear it, you'll, you'll realize why. Um, you'll, you'll say, maybe you should have stopped one message earlier. Um, this morning, uh, this is a message that uh, some would say is the world according to Kevin. Uh, and that would be a lame, lame uh service and preaching uh, is what I think. Um, in fact, some of you say, well, yeah, yeah, because you're not the smartest guy in the world. Well, let me just assure you, we would not gather to hear what you have to say either. Um, we are a gathering around God's word. In fact, we're not even, uh, this isn't the, the good news according to California either or the United States. Um, that would be interesting as well, but not worthy to for us to gather in. This is the Word of God. We're looking at what He has to say. Um, and so this morning we're following along in our passage in uh, Titus chapter 2. Last week, if you were here, you uh, remember that we were talking about older women and older men. called them the classics of Bear Valley Church. And many of you, uh, many of you came up to me during the week and you said, I wasn't confused at all on whether I was a classic or not. I knew which category I fell into. Uh, we are. Uh, we are talking about older, older women and older men and their relationship with those who are younger. This morning, uh, as last week, we encouraged and we saw in God's word that God encourages us to not squander away our latter years, uh, but rather invest them in the younger generation of people. And remember, we talked about the idea of raising parents, that after we get done raising kids, we now put our hand to the task of raising parents in the context of the church. Uh, this week, we're going to look at specifically that older woman and younger woman relationship. I realize that uh, this passage that we're going over is a, a very important passage for our church. In fact, as we think through our picture of what it is to minister to women, this has to be one of the defining passages that this is what our goal should be. And not our goal for older women, but really our goal and, and your goal, especially if you are in this category of younger women, what it means to be a younger woman according, a younger woman according to God. Uh, I realize that um, this may come out difficult and this may challenge you. And I want to encourage you about that. Why are you here this morning? Why are you here? Uh, if you're here just to satisfy your own sense of guilt or check a box off uh, your little check sheet of things that you need to do, um, this probably won't be all that good for that. Uh, you may have spent your time here, but you're saying maybe it wouldn't be worth it. I want you to know that when Jesus came to die, we're going to celebrate that today in, in communion. He did not come to improve you. He did not come to improve you. He came to transform you, to change you from what you are into what he wants you to be. And we're all in that process. None of us have, have arrived. If you thought that you were going to come to church this morning and you were going to get the pat on the back and saying, you're perfect, you came to the wrong church. You really did. And it's not because we're different. 
but because as we open God's word and we see what he says, that's a challenge to us all the time. It's always a challenge to us. So we, we need to look for where we can grow. I also want to tell you at the outset, I love the women of Bear Valley Church. I love them. I love you all. As women of Bear Valley Church, I love you. It thrills my heart that God has blessed and enriched this church with you as ladies. Um, in fact, as I think about the areas uh, that need attention at Bear Valley Church, um, it's the men that are kind of hurting around here. I'll just say it plainly, and we need to, uh, we're working on that, okay? It's not that the women have arrived, but the men, we really need to get, get our act together. Um, I say that uh, myself included, myself included. So we look at God's word, uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 3. Uh, he, he spoke to older women, he says, Likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. They are to teach what is good. That, that when it is, when, when you find the teachers there to be the women, and they're, they're supposed to teach one specific thing, to teach what is good. You look at that, and it may seem fairly insignificant, and maybe it is, and maybe I'm blowing it out of proportion. But when I think of teaching what is good, it places the, the role of model and teacher on those older women. And I think about in our culture today, and younger women, and their, where they get their information, who is the one that they listen to and hear from, I want to say it's not it's not a book, you know, it's not a book that you can find on Amazon or something like that. I know when Rebecca and I uh, were expecting our first son, uh, we got the book, What to Expect When Expecting, yeah. And uh, boy, that was a lot more than I expected, uh, that book, I, you know, and uh, having children has been a lot more than I expected. And and so so you, you kind of uh, in your own little home and your own little uh, youthful wisdom, you crack that book open and you're like you're you're pouring through it and you're going, wow, yeah, I never knew, knew this stuff. And my wife would read it and she'd read me sections and I'd go, ah, close that book. Uh, uh, I don't want ignorance is bliss, you know. Um, and there's a sense in which. There, there's these books out there or there's these different places. I know that um, I was thinking about where women get their ideas today. I know, uh, have you ever seen the show The View? Oh, man, caused me to break out in a rash, you know. And I was thinking about that particular show. Uh, it's kind of a round table of women and their ideas and just kind of throwing it out there and arguing and they have guests and so on and so forth. In, in previous generations, you know, ladies would watch Oprah, right? Oprah was kind of the guru of what should happen for a woman and this and that. I always find it interesting how much great parenting advice and marriage advice was on Oprah. There's something missing here, you know? Okay. Uh, you know, do you know about Martha Stewart? I'm going to talk bad about Martha Stewart right now, okay? She's the quintessential homemaker, right? Tell me about her husband. She's going to have one. You know, she's got these big mansions and she's cooking all these great meals. Well, for who? You know, like, what is she doing? You know, is this the place where we get our information? 
You think about uh, the different places where young women go to find out what it is they're supposed to be. And this morning, I want to remind us all uh, that it's not a classroom setting. It's not a classroom setting. I realize we struggle with that here, right? What are those rooms in the hallway over there? Classrooms. As long as we don't have desks, I'll be all right, okay? You know, we... Women go to what on Wednesday? Women's Bible study. Study. Like there's some kind of, like, do they get a diploma? I, I want to know. You know, we go to men's study and we're, we're studying. And, you know, do we pass? Do, do we give out grades? Are there tests? Yes, there are tests. They're every day. They happen in the, uh, they're always pop quizzes, basically, is what they are. They're not according to our timetable. I want you to get this, ladies, that this info that you are to teach, you are to teach what is good, not in the way that maybe you've been taught in school, but you as older women are called to teach. You skip down to that next verse. It adds another word to teaching. It says this in verse four. It says, uh, teach what is good, verse three, and so train the younger women train the younger women. It was interesting to me that that word train gives the picture of bringing someone, of shepherding, of pulling them back, of returning them to their senses, returning them to their senses. And I kind of smirked to myself as I was studying and I was going, does that mean young women are out of their minds? And the answer is yes. And the answer is yes. But there's a reason for it. I think sometimes when older generation look to the younger generation, they say, oh, they've lost their minds the way they're doing it. You know, they, I just can't believe they're doing this. And they, they bemoan the fact that they do this, that, and the other thing. And they say, oh, they're so foolish the way they're doing it. They've lost their minds. And you ask the question to older people and you say, you know, they, they've lost their minds. What were you like when you were in your 20s? I can't remember. I can't remember. I, you know, I probably wasn't that bad. If they only had videotape that would have followed you around, have been able to tap into your brain and what you were thinking of. If they only had, if you could, re- I don't know if you're like this, but um, if you look through pictures, old pictures, and they, they, you, you don't really like it very much. I mean, there's some that are fun and they're exciting, and then you come across one and you go, oh, I'd forgotten about that day. I'd forgotten about that outfit. I'd forgotten about those people that were my friends that I cared so much about, and I thought I was so, uh, I was so embarrassed to be around that because I didn't match it. And you start playing those things over, and you go, get rid of that picture. I don't want to see that picture again. To train them. And so you get this this picture of teaching and training, that the older women are to teach the younger women or train the younger women. And they're to train them, they're to bring them back. You know why you know why the young have lost their minds and at points and they need to be brought back to their senses? Do you know why? Because they're pulled and tugged. 
They're pulled and tugged. They're, 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 there's a sense in which uh, their upbringing says, hey, you need to do this. And their peer group says, you need to do this. And their, their culture says, you need to do this. And they have a job that puts pressure on them that says, this is what's most important. You need to climb the ladder. And, and then they, their kids are crying and they're, they're going, I'm losing my mind here. What am I supposed to be doing? And that's where the older women come in with the younger women saying, let me help you clarify the answer to that, what you should be doing. They're to teach what is good. They're to train. And then it gives us a picture of that which is important to God. And so train the young women to love their husbands and their children. To love their husbands and their children. If maybe you've heard that before, maybe you've gone over this passage and that doesn't strike you at all. That doesn't like send you back in your seat and go, I, you know, even as you're reading it, Kevin, you, you said it so dramatically, like this is going to be something so profound that that women are supposed to do this amazing thing to love their husbands and their children. That's all. That's it. You know, you even look at verse 1 in Titus chapter uh, 2, and it, it talks about doctrine, you know, sound teaching, theology. And, and then he goes on and starts talking about these things that are supposed to come out of older men's lives and younger or older women's lives. And he, he talks to young women and he says, young women, this is what you're to be, lovers, lovers of your husband and your children. And you're going, I thought it was going to be this amazing thing. I thought it was going to be this uh, grand plan that God was going to move mountains through me. And, and I, that's all you got for me? You, you, it causes me to wonder why women need to be taught or trained to love their husbands. Have you ever thought about that? you're married no you haven't thought about that what that's not that's not um if you're wondering uh, if you're wondering here today men why it is that god commanded older women to teach younger women to love their husbands is because we're such a pain to love it's not easy it, we kind of sm- it's kind of a little too close to home too isn't it so so you're getting married um do we have any engaged couples here this morning? Good. Okay. Good. I and those of you who are single, um, God will provide in time. And this it, this is why marriage is hard. I talk about this all the time. Uh, so you have, uh, you're a sinner. Man or woman, you're a sinner. And you don't even know what a big sinner you are because you're just selfish and it's just you. And you have your your bed, your clothes, your stuff, your car, your life, your everything. And then you find someone and you say, oh, they would be great to have as part of my life. But the problem is they're a sinner, too. They're a sinner, too. They're selfish and proud and all these other things. And ladies, what makes it so hard to love your husband is because your selfishness bumps into his selfishness and pride and all these things. And they just smash together. And it's not an easy thing. In fact, it's not natural for you to love someone outside of yourself. And so 
uh, older women, you, obviously you can't teach where you haven't been, right? You can't you can't share what you you can't practice, right? So so you share your path, your path and your encouragement to younger women to love their husbands. Uh, this is not. Uh, it, this is not. I don't encourage you to do this, but if you want to, you can, you can prove my point. Um, uh, success. If you look at lists of how to be a successful woman, just how to be a successful woman, and you get the top ten tips for being a successful woman. If God was writing that, He would have on that list very high: love your husband. Love your husband. Love your children. Love your children. And, and in those lists of our culture today, they don't say that. Be independent. Get educated. Don't trust in anybody. Do it yourself. Get a, get a group around you that can help make you smarter and better and broaden your horizons, travel and see things, different things, and so develop yourself. But, but God's Word says, older ladies, please instruct and to train those younger women to do what? To love your husbands. He says, love uh, your husbands. This is part of that bringing back to one's senses. I want to say this, ladies. It's not just love your husbands, but it's love your husbands at least as much as, if not more, than your children. Like sometimes, ladies, the default position is to say, oh, I love my kids because there's a sense of they need me and they're a little bit easier to control and, and I, can, I can do what I want there and there's a sense that they really need me. But my husband, uh, that's a different deal. He's harder to love. He is harder to love. You know, there's a, there's a sense where your kids are cute when they're sinful and they're two and three. Your husband is not. It is not cute. It's not. It's repulsive when you see the sins of your husband. Yet God calls women to teach other women to love their husbands. I want to encourage you, ladies, especially you older ladies, to be careful the way you talk about your husband with other ladies. You know, um, it, it, you think about you think about how. Um, single uh, our kids and as well as single adults feel about marriage they get it from those of us who are married right and and you ladies are talking to younger ladies and you go oh my husband's such a pain in the ear you know i i he's just such a pain selfish and just oh i can't stand him and some of you retired ladies i've heard you say uh you know, I, my husband, he, he was fine when he was working, but now he's retired and it's half the money and twice the husband. And, you know, I, I would like it the other way around, you know. Uh, we, we are teaching, we are training, even if we're not in a classroom. And I want to encourage you ladies that your job, your function in the church is for the older to teach the younger and what are we to teach them? What, what, don't, don't be creative in this. Teach them to love their husbands. 
The second thing it tells us, and I really think this is embodies the the title of the book, What Older Women Are to Teach Younger Women. Husbands and to love their children. To love your children. Not love yourself. Not love your position. Not love uh, the accolades that others give to you, but to love your children. That's always tested when they're sick, right? That's tested when they're bratty. That's tested when um, you're tired. That's tested when you're sick and you, you still have to go about that. It's tested over and over again. Do you love your children? Older ladies, you need to teach and to train younger ladies to say this, this line right here. Okay? This is very important. This is what you younger ladies need to learn. You need to learn to say this. I can't. I can't. I need to take care of my family. Hear that. I can't. I need to take care of my family. You say, well, what's the question? There's a lot of questions. And that's the answer to a lot of those questions. I can't. I need to take care of my family. Hey, we're having a fundraiser at the school, and we really need you to head it up. If you don't, we're not going to have pencils for next year. Um, I, I can't. I need to take care of my family. Hey, uh, uh, we got this. Uh, they've got this important job to do, and, and we we need you. Um, it, it, you know, it'll be a little bit of travel. It'll be long hours, and um, you know, sometimes you won't. You know, may, maybe you'll have to. Uh, I can't. I can't. I need to take care of my family. Ladies, um, I want to free you up here, okay? I want to, I want to make it clear. I, I realize the insecurity of ladies. I hear it. I hear it over and over again. Where you see somebody else and you see something, someone doing something that you're like, how do they do that? You know, they, they've written a book. They hold down a job, this big, important job. And, and you, you, you see them doing these amazing things and, and you look at them and you're, you're feeling insecure and you're going, you know, how do they do that? I don't, I can't, how do they do that? They must be superwoman. I, I'll just, I, I'll just let you in on the secret. They do that by giving the shaft to their husband and their children. How many hours are in the day? 24. It's a, it's a simple one, right? 24, right? Some of you are like, I don't know. He's kind of leading us here, isn't he? 24. There's 24 hours in the day. Who gets 24 hours? Everybody. Everybody. Nobody gets a second more than that, okay? Everyone gets the same amount. And you choose to spend it however you choose to spend it every day. And every bit of it gets spent every day, Right? Ladies, there, there's an attraction for us and men as well. We look out at the world and we see amazing things that people do and we go, wow, how do they do that? You know, they write books, they, they, uh, they travel the world, they hold down these incredible jobs and wow, how do they do it all? They must be better than me. They're just spending their time in other places. 
God has given you, ladies, and to teach other ladies that they are to love their husbands and love their children. You say, well, how do you do that? It's a principle found in Matthew chapter 6. It's talking about money, and it says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Ladies, you say, well, you know, I, I'm just thinking about other things all the time. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, as we invest, ladies, in your husband and in your children, your heart will follow. As your treasure is, you've you got to ask yourself the question, well, I don't love my husband. I don't have any time for my kids. Where's your treasure? What is it out there that's valuable to you? As you place your treasure in your relationship with your kids and your your spouse, this will, your heart will follow that. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Learn that answer. I can't. I need to take care of my family. As we go on in this uh, passage... He says some things to ladies that they are to be. He says this, that um, looking down in verse 4 once again, and so train young women to love their husbands and their children, verse 5, and to be self-controlled and pure. Self-controlled and pure. He, he turns his focus, uh, older ladies, you are to teach women to value their character value their character. The word self-control, it's interesting to me. Uh, It's spoken of over and over and over again in the first couple of chapters in Titus. It's interesting to me. Why is self-control this big thing that, that he keeps bringing up over and over again? Well, I think the reason he keeps bringing it up over and over again, it's the thing that we're struggling with. Then he calls older women to teach younger women to be self-controlled. The picture there is to be a grown-up, to be a grown-up. Uh, um, when you're six, uh, tell me what you need to be told when you're six. Everything, everything. Um, uh, brush your teeth, brush your teeth. There's a, a an awful aroma coming out of your mouth, and go brush your teeth. Why? You know, I did it last week, you know. Uh, there's a sense where kids need to be told, hey, go clean your room. Uh, you need to pick up that book and, and read, and, and you've you got to work on that right now. And, and you need to, uh, it's time for dinner. It's time to wake up. It's time to put your shoes on. It's time to go find your shirt. You know, all these things. Why do they have to be told everything? Because they're kids. Because they're kids. And, and there's this thing going on where and it's a struggle for young men and young women. And it's really was called on by older men and older women as well by God. Be self-controlled because when you get married, you know what happens sometimes? You still think you're six years old. You, you still think that, you know, mom's going to call you when you need to get up in the morning. You still think that somebody's going to come and pick up after you. Man, we struggle with that, right? It's like we look at stuff at the house and we go, somebody should do that. I wonder when that person is going to come that's supposed to be doing that right there. And Rebecca and I look at each other and go, 
And we look at the kid. I guess it's us, you know. Self-controlled means the idea of growing up, of not having someone watch over you and say, you need to do this now because it's right. Older ladies, you need to teach younger ladies. The time is now. Be self-controlled. The other word that's uh, brought up right after there, self-controlled and pure. And young ladies, I think it's interesting for him to bring purity up there because there's a sense in which it's part of this growing up thing that you leave the sin of this world behind, that you treasure your own purity. Sometimes uh, older ladies, we realize that this is not cherished in the young. They say, oh, I'm young. I can do all this. I can be all this. No, older women teach younger women that their purity is something of, to treasure to seek after. Older women to the younger women, work on your character, your self-control, and your purity. The passage moves on as Paul is encouraging Titus to, to encourage the ladies to teach the other ladies. This is what he says. Be self-controlled and pure, working at home kind. Now, um, this idea of working at home. Okay, you guys ready? The idea of working at home, this is the deep theological, you know, means housekeeping. Wow. Wow, housekeeping. I wanted it to be dramatic and kind of, uh, you know, to... Think about the huge vision of your home and, and like, you know, the leadership of your children and just, but you know what it means? It means housekeeping. So show some leadership on the laundry. Show some leadership on the dishes. Show some leadership in the, the buying of clothes for your kids. You get this picture here, ladies, of this, that these are the tasks Everyone despises. When is the laundry done? Never. You know, uh, uh, it's interesting with all the housekeeping type tasks, all of them, there's a sense where you're never done completely or perfectly. And the minute you're done, somebody else comes behind it to mess it up. Isn't that true? And that's the drudgery of it all, isn't it, ladies? That, that's the idea, you know. Um, there's a sense in which, uh, I don't know if you've felt this way before, ladies. We, we had a um, long time ago here at the church, um, when I was first here, we had uh, a man who was cleaning the, the church here. And I'm a grown man at this time, okay? I'm walking with the senior pastor. I'm walking with him. And uh, we come to the edge of this hallway, and, and he says, he says, oh, Oh, please, please don't, please don't mess up the church. Please don't mess up the church. And I'm looking at him going, I felt like I was, in, I was six again, you know. But that's the feeling of really taking care of a home, isn't it? The feeling that, that this is, is just stuff that doesn't matter and, and meaningless tasks that are just going to get messed up again. And he calls the woman. He says this. He says, you are to keep the house. 
You're to keep the house. I want to point out something here because there's quite a few of us here who aren't the mom of the house. We are not the wife. Um, This does not mean that she's the slave of the house and you you just kind of sit there and go, when's my laundry going to be done? Can you hurry up with that dinner? It's the idea that her responsibility is to keep those things. And part of that responsibility might come with, uh, yeah, and I need you to do this. I need you to do this. It's that, that she is the one that, that shows leadership on these things to get them done. Right after, he says, a keeper of home, a keeper of home. He says something else that's very important for us to see. Kind. Kind. And this is uh, the difficulty of all this as women. You know, I I, I, I want to be honest with you. So uh, keeping a home, it's not a big deal, ladies. It's not a big deal. Most of the men here could do it quickly. We, we could do it. We could get it done. We do it all the time, in fact. Um, we clean the garage. You know what happens when we clean the garage? We just start chucking things. We just start throwing and stacking like no tomorrow. You put that on our list. Most of us as men, we could get it done. But there would be a lot of collateral damage that would happen. There'd be a lot of damage, you know. Uh, There's even a sense uh, within our home that we could get things organized in our home. But sometimes there's a lot of collateral damage. There's a lot of crying that goes on. People are fuming. Bad attitudes are happening. You know, there's a sense of like, I got it done. What do you want? It's not right. I don't care if it's right. I got it done. Okay? We know how to get things done, but this is the way the Lord does things, right? This is different. This is, this is the gospel coming out in, in, in an older woman and a younger woman. This is how the gospel comes out. It's housekeeping. It's doing tasks, but it's also doing tasks while being kind. The picture of being kind is this, the goodness that God has placed in your heart, that that impacts the people around you. You know, uh, some of you ladies uh, keep a really clean house, but you don't allow your family to be in it. (laughs) You know, there's a sense in which you lock them on the outside there. Their little kids are pushing their face up against the slider going, can we come in now? It's getting cold out. No, you're going to mess it up. Please. (laughs) Kind. Kind. There's a sense, then this is the difficulty of being a wife and a mom, right? You you got the pile of laundry. You got the the food on the stove. And somebody says, oh, I cut my finger. Cut my finger. Stick it in your mouth. Okay? (laughs) I'm not done with the laundry. After I get these things done, I'll get to you. You're third on the list. Okay? There's a sense of kindness and compassion that your family, your family needs to see as we go about the task of housekeeping. As the home focus is going on, it's not just a house focus, right? It's a home focus. Working at home. I think it's easy for us to worship other things. To look at these tasks and say, I, you know, they're just not that important. I'm doing bigger and better things. What are they? 
What are these bigger and better things that you are doing? I realize that the cleaning and cooking and doing these other things are not all that glamorous. But what makes them glamorous is two things. It's that God has given you a family to do that for. And that that he is the one that you are working for. Not these selfish kids and the selfish husband that you have. It's that you're obeying him with the blessings that he has poured out on you. I want to talk, uh, just a couple of things I want to talk about before we move on. First is this, what about my career? What about my career? Some of you may have been processing that right now. You've been saying, well, what about my career? Um, I, I want to tell you, ladies, you have no career. You have no career. I, I, I want to be honest with you. You already have a career. And you know what it is? Being a wife and a mom. You have a career. You're going to be doing this forever. Okay? This is not just a job that you have for a time. You have a career. It's being a wife and a mom. Men, I realize we're not talking about you this morning, and you'll get your day. Believe me. It may not be pretty either. I just want to tell you that. Men, I want to tell you the same thing I just told your wife right now. You have a career. It's to be a husband and a father. You see, um, and this is the the point of Titus, the, the book of Titus, one of the points. So what does cleaning the house have to do with being a godly woman? I have a great relationship with the Lord, but I don't care about housekeeping. You know, I have a great relationship with the Lord, but my relationship with my husband's not going so good. I I love the Lord with all that I am, but my kids, I'm not that good of a mom. You know, I don't love them that, that often. If you look back to the first chapter, it's talking about elders. And what does he say to elders? He says, uh, hey, Titus, go find some elders. And the way you will see them, the way you'll identify them is... Through them being a one-woman man, you know, that they have a good relationship with their wife. And what about their kids? That their kids are believing. There's a sense that their kids are getting it. Do you, do you see the point here? This is so important for us to get. Um, we'll come back to it. But, uh, but I want you to make that connection. That our career, the thing that should identify us, is not that we have a job. Why do you go to your job? Why, why do you go? Is it, you know, because I really feel fulfilled at work and, you know, I'm at the top of my field and they pat me on the back and all this stuff. No. Go to your work to pay the bills so you can love your family, your family. Not go to work so you can love your work and your family get the leftovers. Don't do it. Ladies, I, I think that it's super important for you to sort out where your focus should be, where the value is for you, and that love relationship with your husband and with your children. I want to talk to those of you who are single here this morning, whether you are middle schoolers or high schoolers or um, adults that are single. You're listening to this message and you're going, wow, <laughs> whoa, how does this all fit with me? And where, do, where, where does this go? And it's kind of 
Interesting to hear. It sounds like a big deal. Well, I'm single. It doesn't matter to me. I want to tell you this one thing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that there's a danger that you look at your singleness and say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, because I'm single, none of those things really matter anymore. So I can pursue everything that I want to pursue. I can do just about anything that I want because I'm single. In fact, if I want to waste my life on anything, it doesn't matter to anybody. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to drive whatever I'm going to drive. I, I want to chase after as much money. I'll work as many hours as I can so I can get uh, my career going. And everything will be going and everything will be good. And then when I get tired of being single, I'll grab some guy or some girl and I'll get married. And then I'll be boring like the rest of you all. I want to tell you that that's the problem today is this that we build our lives based upon our own selfishness. We say, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to get things really rolling. I'm going to get my money together and I'm going to get my toys together and I'm going to set up life how I want it. And then, you know, I'll just kind of add someone to that because I want them as part of my life. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because if you've based your life on your own selfishness, You set it up based upon your selfishness. Guess what? Chances are that one you're marrying has also done all that. They've set their life based on their own selfishness. And guess what's going to They'll come together in just this beautiful communion of selfishness and pride. And it's messy. It's messy. So what's the, what should we be doing? In your singleness, you should serve the Lord in every way you can find out. Like when you see something and you go, oh, someone should serve there. That's me. I'm single. I can do that. You know, other people can't stay out late because they got a wife and kids. I can stay out late. I can serve in that way. You say, well, who should be there early? Oh, I can be there early. And, you know, I just I'll nap in the afternoon. Not a big deal. You know, I'm single. I can do these things. God has freed me up to serve, not to serve myself. Well, we move on. He says, uh, workers at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands. Submissive to their own husbands. That word submission, ladies, is this, is to willingly place you under another. Willingly take my life and place it under another. It's not the idea of you forcibly being put in a spot you don't want, but a willingness to place yourself under another. I know that I know that word, ladies, is is repulsive. I know it is. Um, it, it's just hard for us to get through. In fact, um, as I think about it, I kind of cringe. There are other places in the Scripture where it calls on all of us to submit. But but how do I get my own way if I'm submissive? How do I do that? How, how do I get what I want? You don't. You don't. To willingly place yourself under another. I want to say it this way, ladies. You are to submit to your own husband, husband, not to your boss, 
nor your mother, nor your sisters, your friend group, and even your pastor. You are to submit to your husband. And, and as you think about that, you, you go, well, give me something good about that. Give me something good about that. I'll tell you, this should be the most freeing thing in the world to you. And I'll tell you why. It's real simple. Because, ladies, aren't you pulled? Aren't you pulled? You're, you're going about your day, and you have your list of things you should you should do, your shoulda list. You, oh, I really should call this person. I, oh, you know, I really should go and help out in this classroom thing. Oh, oh, you know, I'm feeling like my boss is going to call, and I really should do this, and I really should, and I really should, and I really should. And you're pulled, and, and you're just going, what am I supposed to be doing? And it's part of this sensibility that you need to be brought back to yourself. What, what is it that I should be doing right now? Who should I listen to? That's the question, isn't it, ladies? You know, you, you're, you're in the grocery line and you see this, you see these magazines and they catch your eye. And there's someone that's just perfect, beautiful on there. And you're going, I should really look like that. I don't. And then they have all these tips of how to have a better love life and how to cook better meals and how to do this. And none of those things help you. They just pile more on, right? You're not cutting it. You're not cutting it. You're not cutting it. And you're going... If I hear somebody else tell me that I'm not cutting it, I'm going to scream because they're telling me different things. They're pulling me in different directions. And God's intention was that you would be with your husband, be submissive to him. I realize, ladies, that I realize why you're not submissive. I realize it. In fact, um, uh, you know, I get together with this group for fathers on Monday morning early and then uh, Wednesday night during high school Bible study, we get together for fathers. And I'll tell you, we're really not supposed to talk about what we talk about there, but I'll throw down the pastoral privilege card and I'll just talk a little bit about what goes on there. We try to figure out how to get our wives to be more submissive and under control. I mean, we just sit around and we go, I don't know how to do it. You know how to do it? No, my wife's out of control. She won't submit to me in anything. Oh, man. Well, we talked about it this last week, and um, I'll tell you what we came up with. Uh, In Colossians chapter 3, it says, it talks about this relationship. And in that passage, it talks about even wives submitting to their husbands. And we were talking about why it's so hard for our wives to submit to us. And we came up with this. The reason it's so hard for them to submit to us is because they know us. And they've been down that road before. It's not that they don't trust our leadership. It's that they know where we've led before. And and we we talk about this and we go, yeah, we could see how it would be hard to follow after us. You know, and we look at it across the table and you go, yeah, you're dumb as a box of rocks. I don't know what you're talking about. You are too. Uh, submission is not easy. In fact, uh, what we came up with with this week, uh, as we were talking about how we can get our wives to submit and make it easy for them, is this. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Makes it easier, doesn't it? When you trust, when, hey, man, if, 
if your wife knows that you love her with a sacrificial love, it's a lot easier for them to follow and submit to you. Ladies, you're not off the hook. God doesn't say it's conditional, okay? When your husband's smart, submit to him. When he's dumb, just act like you didn't hear, you know. That's not what it says. Submit to your own husbands. I know that's hard. I know that's hard. There's a reason behind all this that's found uh, just after the submission. And it's very important for us to see, ladies, that the word of God may not be reviled. The picture of the reviling of God's word, it's that they take the holiness of God's word, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they dismiss it and treat it as common or just some other message that's found in all the messages and it's not all that important. Maybe you're not uh, understanding where uh, this is going, but I want you to see this, uh, ladies, and this is true for us as men as well. The world will judge us not based upon what we say we believe, but the way we live, but the way we live. Get this picture, all of us. The reason it's so important for us in our lives, whether we are young women, young men, older men, older women, no matter what phase of life, this, the reason it's so important that we would grow and that we would be what God wants us to be, no matter what the world says, the reason it's so important is because the world is watching and they're looking at our, our lives. And you know what they're saying? They're saying, I wonder what they teach. They're not saying that. You know what? In fact, they don't care what we teach. They don't care what we believe. They care how it impacts our life and the way we live. And ladies, your life will be judged by an outside world. And they will either see the effects of the gospel in your life or they'll say they're just like everybody else. Three quick things that I want to share with you ladies just to kind of summarize and to uh, land the plane here a little bit. First of all, uh, this morning, ladies, I want to tell you, this is for you to work out on your own. Work out on your own with your husband to work out. I'm not telling, you know... Some of you will come away and says, well, Kevin was saying you shouldn't have a career. I didn't say that. Listen to the tape. I didn't say that. Uh, he said you shouldn't work outside the home. It said you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Hey, you work it out. In fact, it's tough to work out. You look at Proverbs 31, uh, you, see, you see the investor lady in there, right? She's buying and selling real estate, you know making wine or something. I don't know what she's doing, a vineyard and this and that. Uh, there, there, there's, some, there's a sense of that. You've got to take these passages and work them out. What does God want for you? Where, where are you at in life? What does God have for you? Can you, can you keep this focus of a love for your, your, your husband that God has given you, your kids that God has given you? Can you keep that while working outside the home? This is tough stuff to work out. And you pray and you ask, "Is God, is this what you have for me? It's tough. It's tough. Work this out before the Lord. Second thing I want to tell you 
And it's super important for you to get it, ladies. Super important. God said this, and he loves you. He loves you. Ladies, do you know that God loves you? And when I say he loves you, it, it's like capital, all caps. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's big stuff. I mean, he is not just a, he doesn't say, I kind of kind of like you. <laughs> I love you sometimes. <laughs> he loves you. He loves you. And you say, well, I don't think he loves me. You don't think he loves you? <laughs> God sent his son, Jesus, to die for your soul. Talk about being all in, okay? Being committed. God sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. He loves you. That wasn't just a one-time event. He loved you that day and he says, oh, you know, I'm tired of him now. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Don't you think that love would be shared in every other area as well? When he speaks to you and he says, this is what I have for you, don't you think he says, when you hear God say in his word these things, you go, huh, I don't want to do that. Oh, but the one who loves me most, the one who cares for me most, the one who sent his son to die for me, he says this, so it must be part of his love for me. This is what he has for you. This is his best for you. And then as we, um, just the last thing I want to tell you is this. As a man, I know this is a um, weird thing coming from a man. I just talked, told women how to live. You know, that's a funny thing. Um, I realize as I've gone over this, is this sounds like a tiring job. You know, the idea of housekeeping while being kind, the idea of loving, selfish, prideful husbands and children who just, you know, have no sense of life other than their own. You know, they're just sucking you dry all day long. I realize this is tiring. But I want to tell you this, that it's a lot less tiring to trust the Lord and to cling to his hand than chasing our tail around all the time, trying to satisfy everybody in the world and just picking and choosing. This is what God has for you. This is the life of rest and blessing to be with him. Ladies, I want to pray for you right now. And I ask that uh, if you were a um, man or a child uh, around one of these ladies, I want you to pray for them as I pray with you. God, we come before you. Um, God, we ask your blessing on the ladies represented here in this room. We ask that you would help them to clarify in their own mind the position that you have for them. That they would not uh, struggle uh, to be a part of this world, but that they would cling to you as they find their position, their God, your you gave them this position, that they would love that position in the home. God, I pray that you would um, grant them much grace. I know that there's a sense of guilt. I know that there's a sense of not matching up as we go through these things. God, I thank you so much for Jesus. And that in our sin, in our failings of the past, 
Lord, you give us grace for that as well as grace for today, as well as grace for the future. God, I ask that you would transform these ladies into the beautiful picture that you desire for them, that they would be thrilled with your plan. And I ask that this would be a part of rescuing families, that they would love their husbands, love their children. God, thank you for your grace for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.